Arizona Sports, Sports. the The local sports leader. leader. Burns and Gambo, the 4 o'clock reset. Brought to you by Collins Comfort AC and Plumbing. Proud home services partner of the Arizona Cardinals. 4 o'clock reset. Let's get you caught up on everything going on in sports. It's what we do. 4 o'clock every day here on the Burns and Gambo Show. The 4 o'clock reset. All of the top stories of the day. We just got done talking with Andrew Lopez, the Pelicans beat writer for ESPN who covers New Orleans. Suns are facing off against the Pelicans tonight at the Smoothie King Center. This, of course, coming off of two terrible losses for Phoenix this week. One against the Mavs, the other against the Celtics. They were down 26 at the half in one game, 27 at the half in the other. And, of course, facing off a Pelicans team, first place in the Western Conference, and a team that gave them everything they could handle last year in the first round of the playoffs. Devin Booker on how they bounce back. It's a different energy. We understand we have to fix some and we have to handle business. So, you know, I feel like we're at the meat of our schedule. We have some pretty good matchups still coming up, and we have to be ready to go. Yeah, I mean, they're really good after a loss. They ran into a buzzsaw, the Celtics team. That's just the best team in the NBA right now. And the Pelicans are good, but they're not the Celtics. So I expect that the Suns will step up and respond tonight. Yeah, we'll see. I think all eyes will be not only on the Pelicans to see what it is that's made them so good this year. I I think we know why. But it'll be on the Suns. How do they respond? There have been a lot of questions about them over the last 24 hours or so since that Mavs game and since that Celtics game. How do they respond to that? Dwayne Washington. Washington Jr., he's out for the Suns tonight. Obviously, so is Cam Johnson. For the Pelicans, no Brandon Ingram, no Herb Jones. They're both listed as out. Tip-off is at 6.30 on the Arizona Sports app and 98.7. Cardinals had a closed media practice today as they get ready for Monday Night Football against the Patriots. Your injury update, Rondale Moore, Byron Murphy Jr., and Rashad Coward did not practice participate in practice today. DeAndre Hopkins and Greg Dortch fully participated in practice. Good. Good to get Dorch back. That will help them quite a bit. They just, all year long, it's just been a, just a myriad of injuries for the Arizona Cardinals. They haven't been able to overcome it, but you got to hope that you get some reinforcements back. Dorch would help. Last night, the Rams, surprising comeback. They were down 16-3 to in the fourth quarter against the Vegas Raiders. But Baker Mayfield, game-winning touchdown to Van Jefferson with 13 seconds left in the fourth quarter on a drive that started with no timeouts from their own two-yard line. They went 98 yards for the game-winning touchdown with Baker Mayfield. And thanks to the Raiders for all the mistakes that they made in that football game to allow the Rams a chance to win it because they, man, 15-yard unsportsmanlike for knocking a ball out of Baker's hands, jumping off sides on a fourth down, you name it, the Raiders did it. A a penalty on an interception that the Raiders had that would have sealed the game. They just made so many mistakes. Yeah, they sure did. Mayfield, of course, was just claimed off waivers two days ago prior to this Thursday night game. Baltimore Star quarterback Lamar Jackson listed as doubtful to play Sunday versus AFC North rival Pittsburgh. So that would mean Tyler Huntley would get the starts in Baltimore. Yeah, and it's important for them because you look at that division, them and Cincinnati. Somebody's got to win that division. And the Ravens without their starting quarterback with Cincinnati playing so well, you got to give the edge to the Bengals to overtake them and win that division. You think so. Some big games this weekend in the National Football League including the Jets taking on the Bills. That's a huge one. The Eagles versus the Giants. The Buccaneers 
Buccaneers and the San Francisco 49ers. We're five weeks to go from the playoffs. We've got a lot of games with some playoff implications this weekend. Well, I think all eyes on the San Francisco game to see what Brock Purdy could do as the starting quarterback with Garoppolo out. Obviously, the Jets fighting for their lives. I'm in New England and the Chargers all fighting for a playoff spot. And the, the Giants as well. I don't think it's a must win for the Giants because they do play Washington at the end of the season. But if they could beat Philly, they probably solidify their chance to get to the playoffs. You reported this last night. ASU quarterback Emory Jones is expected to enter the transfer portal. I can't say this should be much of a surprise. No, he decided that, uh, you know, and I think that they would have liked him to stay and, and compete for a job. But I think he saw the writing on the wall with the way Trenton Bourget played and the kids that uh, Kenny Dillingham is bringing in that it might have been more difficult. He wants to play. It's his final year. He wants to go somewhere where he could play. So he's got to enter the transfer portal. I don't know if that's official yet, but I am reporting that he is expected to enter the transfer portal. I've not portal. seen it official, but it, again, it, it certainly makes sense given the situation and the fact that they brought in the BYU quarterback. Major League Baseball center fielder Brandon Nimmo staying with the very free-spending New York Mets. Eight-year contract, $162 million. The Mets become the first team in baseball history to have a payroll north of $300 million as a franchise. Well, you know what? And they've got a one-two punch with Verlander and Scherzer. Remember, this is a team that at one point had Matt Harvey. They had Jacob DeGrom and Noah Syndergaard. Did not win a World Series with those guys. Reminds me of the uh, Pulsifer, Isringhausen, and Wilson days of the Mets. So now they go with the two old-timers in Scherzer and Verlander. But keeping Nemo had a very good year for them, Brendan Nemo. So keeping him was important for them. Uh, along those same lines, MLB Network's John Heyman is reporting today that Diamondbacks are among five teams looking at free agent infielder Evan Longoria and are among a half dozen teams looking at free agent infielder Justin Turner as well, looking yeah. for some right-handed thump in that left-handed predominant lineup. Yes, and, uh, and both of those guys are options for the D-backs. I'm not shooting either one of them down. They're looking for both guys as a potential one-year signing. Right now, you get to a lot of one-year signings, uh, and they'd love to get you know one of those guys in, among others, that they'll look. They're looking for right-handed bats, so if you see a right-handed bat out there, they're probably interested, but somebody could be a part-time third baseman and maybe DH for them right now. So far, just about every player the Diamondbacks have been linked to this offseason has been a hitter from the right side of the plate. So that's certainly going to be a major factor no matter what they do. And I do wonder, too, with the Nimmo signing, if that teams that thought that they could get him from New York, I wonder if that causes them to circle back and call the Diamondbacks about one of their outfielders. It could. It could. But I think the Diamondbacks are very, very content to not trade one of their outfielders and, and sit it back and you know let those guys play and just have their value. You increase even more than that it, than it is right now. So right now, it doesn't look like they're going to trade one of them. Things can change quickly, but uh, I checked on this today, and it doesn't look like they have anything close with any of their outfielders. Right-handed reliever Chris Martin and the Red Sox finalized a two-year, $17.5 million contract. Left-handed pitcher Matt Strom has joined the Phillies on a two-year deal. The Dodgers signed Jason Hayward to a minor league deal and invited him to spring training. So some of the news and notes from the hot stove around Major League Baseball. Look at that. For the first time in a month, for the first time in 14 games, the Arizona Coyotes are home tonight at the Mullet Arena. They're taking on the Boston Bruins. It's a 7.30 puck drop. You'll hear it on the Arizona Sports app and ESPN 620. I believe they went 3-7-1 and one in their last 11 games. Yeah, they played a lot of close games, a lot of hard-fought games, lost a couple of games in you know, overtime and shootout. And they did outside of the Edmonton game where they got blown out. They were competitive in many of those games. And it's taken on a really, really good Bruins team tonight. Yeah.
Yeah, they absolutely are. Again, 7.30 start time there. It'll be good to have the Coyotes back home. And as Bill Armstrong told us yesterday, all of the necessary things that need to be done with the construction around that arena have been done or will be done in time for tonight's game. That includes a state-of-the-art locker room that has been attached to the mullet arena there on the campus of ASU to give them that facility to work out of. World Cup, Neymar and heavy favorite Brazil lost to Croatia in penalties today. The Croatian team advances to the semis. What a game. Argentina and the Netherlands was a classic as well. Brazil scored in overtime in the first overtime session to go up one nothing. They thought they had it won, but they were able to come back. Croatia and tired in the tight in the second overtime, then win it in PKs. And then the Netherlands game was just was just a thriller as well. Uh, and they uh, they end up going down to defeat to Argentina in PKs. So they uh, they Argentina will move on. Argentina will play Croatia for a spot in the finals. Two games to go to PKs on the same day in the incredible in the, in, incredible in the, in the quarterfinals like that is the kind of stuff that World Cups are made of, man. Right? Like even if you're not a big soccer fan. It was almost impossible not to be sucked into the drama today. So now Messi in Argentina, they advance to the semis as well. He's two wins away from his first ever World Cup. Other news, WNBA star Brittany Griner landed at San Antonio's Kelly Field Air Force Base at about 5.40 in the morning today, Eastern Time. So she is clearly back on U.S. soil now after her release to U.S. officials in the prisoner swap yesterday. So she is home. I saw her the coach of the Phoenix Mercury was on CNN today yeah. giving an interview about her being back as well. So good news. She is back on U.S. soil. Specialized uh, medical services and counseling. They're yep. going to really help her every step that they can. And, uh, you know, that that's good for her. So back on U.S. soil. They'll, they'll get her the medical treatment she needs, the counseling she needs, and get her back, you know, on her feet. Now, one other thing I want to throw in real quick. Yeah. Uh, Grinnell College out of Iowa. Okay. Set an NCAA men's basketball record for three-point Attempts. Oh, okay. Let me guess. Please. 58. Oh, my gosh. 111. Oh, my God. Every single shot. Let they, me not guess. Every single shot they took was a three-pointer. took 100 three-pointers? 111 three-pointers. Did they, they win? Yeah. 124 to 67 over Emmaus Bible College. Every single one of their 111 shots was was behind so the arc. they were up by 30 and they were still jacking it up from three against a Bible college. <laughs> really? Shame, shame. You're up by 40 against a Bible college, and you're jacking up threes late in the game. Have you no shame? How you better unholy say, of them! Seriously, you better say four hail marys tonight. Get the rosary beads out. Out. Pray hard tonight, Vernell. Go see a priest and ask for forgiveness. <laughs> when we, That's terrible. When we come back. He became public enemy number one around here for the Suns and Suns fans in last year's playoffs. Now, now he's the Pelicans' prime candidate for sixth man of the year. We'll talk about that coming up on the Burns and Gambo Show. Burns and Gambo, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. He was such a pain last year, and he's even better this year. Huh. Yeah, and now he's scoring, too. Dropped 38 the other day against mm. your beloved Denver Nuggets, bitch. Couldn't be happy about that. Single-game scoring record for a New Orleans bench player. 
got a standing ovation from the crowd after he dropped in 38 the other night against the the Denver Nuggets. He has become, I mean, look, it's a really good basketball team. And they're missing some guys tonight. They don't have Herb Jones. They don't have Brandon Ingram. The Pelicans won't be full strength, although this is only the fourth time in his career Zion's played against the Suns. So they'll just haven't had a lot of looks against him. The Suns got more than they wanted from Jose Alvarado last year. He was such a pesk that entire series. And it would appear this year he's gotten even better. He is shooting threes at a 40% rate. He's shooting more than four per game. He's He's been really good for them. Really good for them. Yeah, he's already made more threes in 23 games this year than he did in all the games that he played in last year. Look, he's, he's, a, he's a little guy. He's 5'10". They love him over there, right? They call him a folk hero. Everybody's behind him. He has a guy that signed a two-way contract, and he was in the G League at the, with the Billingham squadron, and then he got his opportunity, and he took advantage of it. I mean, you got a, Kara Lewis had a, uh, an injury, a knee injury. They put him in a lineup. And, man, we'll never forget what a pest he was to Chris Paul. You know, some people look at Chris Paul, and they think it was the birthday. Oh, once he turned 37, it all went to hell in a handbasket. Man, part of that had to do with Jose Alvarado, because that was the guy. Like, Chris Paul was frustrated, visibly frustrated, like a gnat that you can't get away from you. That you keep swatting at and sweating. It won't go away, and you're walking, and this gnat keeps circling you, and he's on the, he's on the attack. You know what that's like. Because Leave me alone! And that's what Chris Paul was with Alvarado. He just couldn't shake him. He couldn't shake him, and, he, and it really hurt Chris Paul. It hurt Chris Paul's game that Alvarado was pressing him full court and, 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 and not giving Chris Paul the opportunity to, you know, Chris Paul likes to bring the ball up the court and slowly bring it up, right? There's no pace with Chris Paul, right? Nope. You don't pay it as, you don't play at a fast pace with Chris. You play at a slow pace because he likes to kind of evaluate and see. I'm going to, I'm going to look. He's like, it's like a quarterback going through his reads. I'm going to go through my reads. I'm going to see what my matchups are. Okay. You're guarding you. Okay. Let me see where the pick's going to come. And then he makes these great plays, but he does it all in a, in a slower motion. Yeah. But what Alvarado on his chest, because now you got to worry about protecting the ball. You got to worry about turning the ball over. He's not able to look up. He's not able to evaluate the defense and kind of gauge the defense because he's too worried about Alvarado. So with him on his hip the whole time, Chris would get the ball across half across half court and not really know what to do because he didn't really have that chance to see the court the way he normally and does. And of course, as we all remember that series, we remember how slow Monty was to adjust to that, right? How long totally. it took them to figure out, hey, uh, uh, something else. Can we bring another body back there to, so that Chris can use that body to rub Jose Alvarado off of him. You know, to give him a little space to clear him up. I mean, the eight-second violation the threat of eight-second violations. I've never seen that be such a big deal in an NBA series in my life. And yet last year, during that playoff run, it was so consistent. And, and it really, I mean, it really was the first of two series where, let's call it like it is, Monty got flat out outcoached in both of those series. I mean, Willie, Willie Green had his number. Jason Kidd had his number in the next round. And it, and it really led to, that was the start of... We've got to figure out what to do when Chris isn't having his best game. Now, he had tons of great games against New Orleans. Chris was the 14 for 14. biggest reason why they won that series against New Orleans. But 
the way it wore him down playing against Jose Alvarado and the way he just seemed to run out of juice against Dallas, I think it said everything about how New Orleans played him in that series, right? Like, I, yeah. think, I think you're right. I mean, I think that they wore him out. You know, it was a bunch of body punches, and yet Chris was still standing at the end of that series. But I think the body blows blew him out, and, uh, you know, and wore him out. And then you get to the Dallas series, and obviously destroyed. And there was some, listen, there was a couple of bad games against New Orleans, too. I mean, oh, everybody sure. talks about the one great game where he's 14 to 14, and I believe Book was five for 12 in that game, and Book was one of six from three point range in that game. So Book did not play well in that game. Chris goes 14 for 14, leads him to a victory. But that was, I think, like a four point game in there. So there was a couple of, like, not good games for Chris against New Orleans. Yes, I think he got worn out in that series, and then obviously Dallas had the, uh, you know, had the time to kind of evaluate after the first two games. They made some adjustments that really affected him, and we haven't seen Chris Paul play really well, you know, since since that that I, I probably I know a couple good games against Dallas, but yes, this year for sure we haven't seen him play. Yeah, well. okay. Here's here was his series last year against New Orleans. Man, this brings back some memories. Did he have okay. a four point game? Yeah, he did. Um, game one, he was twelve of sixteen. He had thirty points. Great game. Game two, he was five of sixteen. Had seventeen points. Mm, okay. Game three, he was ten of eighteen for twenty eight points. That's really good. Game four. Two of eight, four points. That was the bad game. Game five, eight of 18 for 22. Uh-huh. Game six was the big one, 14 of 14 for 33. Uh, so, so one really bad game and one kind of, uh, yeah, you know, yeah, not so good game. But so the rest game. of them were fine. Yeah, and the one in which he was five of 16, he still had 14 assists. He, only, he didn't have any turnovers in that game. That was, of course, the one they lost at home by 11 points. So that's, that's of course, part of it. The other part about the Pelicans tonight, in addition to Zion and, and kind of the, the new look that he gives the Suns, It's just how good defensively New Orleans is this year. We had Andrew Lopez on earlier. He's the beat writer who covers the the Pelicans for ESPN, and he wrote a great piece today about defensively how much of a difference. You know, Alvarado's obviously a pest, as you mentioned, but Larry Nance Jr., how much of a difference he's made for them defensively, right? Herb Jones, obviously. One of the best defensive players in the league already, and this is just the second year. Don't think he's going to play tonight. In fact, he's out tonight. But Larry Nance Jr., now that he's kind of gotten his feet wet there, he's made a tremendous impact on that organization defensively. Yeah, they got him from the Trailblazers last year. He was part of that C.J. McCollum deal that they made. But he only played in, like the uh, like um, Andrew Lopez said when we had him on, he only played in nine regular season games because uh, you know he had, had the knee surgery. But now, you know, he's playing a lot and, and, and he talked about the ability to switch. And now with him on the court, they can go through the switches and defend at a high level. Instead, you know, when they had Valanchunas out there, they didn't want to do a lot of switches because you didn't want to get somebody on, on Valanchunas because it wasn't, it was a disaster for them. So they have become much better defensively because of that. Last year, they were 18th in the league in defensive rating, 112 points per 100 possession. They did not have Zion last year, but this year they've been, you know, much better defensively. I think they're third in defensive rating, yeah, aren't they? Yeah, I, I, I think I think you're right. I haven't looked I haven't looked at, but you might be right. It might be third. I think they're third. So they've really increased and got a lot better. I think only Milwaukee and Cleveland are ranked as better defensive teams. So that would be third. Yeah, you're right. Good point. And that's that's you know that's a big jump to go from 18th defensively to third defensively is a huge jump. Now they're looking at that this in New Orleans 
Orleans, and, and this is probably how they should be looking at it. Like, okay, here comes Phoenix, and you know, before they lost to the Celtics, they had scored at least 120 points four out of their last five games, right? And so, a lot of what we're thinking about Phoenix is totally shaded by the fact that they just got obliterated in these two games. Can the Suns muster up the kind of offensive performance that tests that Pelicans defense? Because in New Orleans right now, they're talking about, boy, it's a good test. Good test. Here comes the Suns. That great offense. Let's see if our defense is really that good. Let's see if we're up to snuff. And I'm looking at it. I'm like, man, I hope the Suns' offense is what we remember it to be, right? It's just been, it's been everything. Nothing has worked. So well, you said it earlier. You gave the, what was the first quarter numbers you gave? The Suns, when they're down in the first quarter, they usually lose. They, you, they lose. They Against lose. good teams, they lose. Against good teams, they usually lose. I mean, the key is, you know, you got to get Booker off to a quick... If I'm Monty, man, I got to find some easy baskets for Book in this game. I kind of got to get him going because as he goes, the team goes. And those last two games, it was obvious that Book was really struggling. He didn't shoot the ball well. He didn't make his first basket in each of those games for a while. So I think there's a there should be an extra importance on getting Book involved early to try to just take some of the pressure off of everybody else. But look, this is one of those games where you you know you look at it and you say, okay, you're gonna against that defense, are you going to have the offense that can compete, and yeah, that's that's if Devin Booker plays at a high level. You know, if Devin Booker doesn't play at a high level, it's going to be a lot harder for them to win that game. We've got the Burns and Gambo Show podcast, and as always, you can subscribe right now on your iPhone or your Android. You'll never miss any of the shows. The Burns and Gambo Show podcast is brought to you by Carol Royce, Keller Williams, Realty East Valley. Get a higher price selling your home. Get guaranteed offers. Go to higherprice.com. That's higherprice.com. There's a theory going around this is not going to be Tom Brady's last season, though it might be his last season in Tampa Bay. If not there, where? Next on the Burns and Gambo Show. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Football Friday here on the Burns and Gambo Show. Going into a weekend in which the Cardinals play on Monday night against the New England Patriots. Very much a must-win game for the Patriots. I guess you could classify it the same way for the Cardinals, though their chances of making the playoffs are not nearly as How's good. How is it a as... must-win game when you're out of it? Because technically they're not out of it. but 2% chance? Yeah, or 0.2%. Like, they're out of it. No, it was like... 2%. Is it 2%? Yeah, it's 2%. From the story you sent earlier this week. Okay. 2%. Yeah. I think they're out of it, too. I'm just saying they're not until they're officially eliminated. Feels like 0.2%. It does feel like 0.2%. Like, how's, how's it? You're 4-8. and eight. How's that a must-win game? I'm not making an argument that they are. Right. No, but you said, didn't you say something like, you know, could you make that argument like the Cardinals could? Technically. Well, technically, yes. Mm. Because technically they're not eliminated yet. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> Formalities here. What? Man. For a guy for whom I just shared my last Coca-Cola Classic with in the fridge. Wow. Seriously. I want to share it with Pablo. or Yeah, it's not even yours to share. I'm sharing it with you. Yes, you are. Friday. Friday shows are always weird. (laughs) Drinking coffee. Like, all right, yeah. (laughs) We had lobster for lunch today on the station. Like a lobster lunch thing. And our boss is even still here. Like 4.33 on a Friday. Like he's never here at this time, ever. So we better mind our P's and Q's and get right down to business and get in uh, an update on our Twitter poll question of the day here on the Burns and Gamble Show. Hit it, Eric. 
Burns and Gambo need to know Twitter poll update presented by Sanderson Ford. Right, what you got for us today? It's a Friday classic. It's one of the few polls we've thrown out there. You can find all of them at Burns and Gambo on Twitter, but this one is a classic for us. Who wins and by how much Monday night? New England or Arizona? If you choose a team by a lot, that means you're picking them to win by two plus touchdowns. It's our last show until the Monday game. Patriots by a little. I got the Cardinals by a little. I, I just, the Patriots are, I'll be very disappointed if we're in here Tuesday and the Cardinals didn't win this game. I just don't think the Patriots are that good. I'd be very disappointed. You're really going to be that disappointed? I would, actually, I would be. No, really, I would be. I, I think this is, I, I, like the Chargers, I thought were good enough to win that game against the Cardinals a couple of weeks ago. I don't think the Patriots are that good. I really don't. It's I, not I, that the card that the Patriots are that good. It's just that the, how bad are the Cardinals? I, I totally get that, but I think the Cardinals will find another level. I just have a feeling. Don't know why. What do you got? Well, the fans do not have a feeling. In fact, 38.5% believe the Pats pull this one out by a little. In second place, it is Cardinals by a little. That one at 29%. In a close third at 27% is Pats by a lot. And losing percentages from 230 at 4.9% is Cards by a lot. Let's go. Get a win. Listen, I want them to get a win. I hate the Patriots. Oh, and yeah. I would help the Jets. So, I listen, I want the Cardinals to win. They got to get off this snide. They're playing. They're, they're they're playing poor football. I, you know, if if there's the other the other thing is, you know, if they do lose, you start to look at that. Maybe get into the top five of the draft. Oh, sure, and that's start one of those look at that draft. Pick. One of those things where we talk about it all the time, where it's it's hard to root for them to lose, but you certainly would accept that as the outcome if it happens. Now, as it relates specifically to Monday, I would still be disappointed. I I just think I just think the Patriots are the kind of team that. The only reason we're looking at them with any kind of favor is because it's Bill Belichick and because it's the New England Patriots. And if Bill Belichick wasn't their coach and they didn't have that logo on the side of their helmets, I don't think anybody would think the Patriots were any good. I really don't. But the Belichick thing, you go, yeah, but that's Bill Belichick. That's the Patriots. Not this year. They're not the same. Which is why, talking about the Patriots, it's really interesting. There's... Transitioning the conversation to Tom Brady a little bit. Okay. I saw this quote, and you saw it too. I yeah. thought it was really interesting to think that a former NFL general manager, Mike Tannenbaum, now works for ESPN, has listed two possibilities of where Tom Brady could land next year. One of them is to go back to the New England Patriots. The other is the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, um, at the, back to the Patriots? Back to the Patriots. Quote, I'll give you two possibilities. The New England Patriots and the San Francisco 49ers. The Patriots just invested another first rounder in their offensive line. That offensive line is not bad, and they have better skill players than people realize. That may be a marriage of convenience. Listen, guys, sometimes they sign those one-day contracts with their former team to retire as a member of that team. I don't know what it really means, to be honest with you, but guys do that. I'm going to sign a one-day contract so I can retire as a member of this team instead of, you know, maybe it's for him. I mean, I, I wouldn't rule it out completely. Listen, he's a free agent. Like, he is a free agent. He's, so he could go anywhere he wants. This isn't like he doesn't have to go back to, to the box. If he wants, he could play anywhere he wants to play. Now... They're developing Mac Jones as their quarterback, so, but so that's why it's like you know we use that phrase very loosely with the way Mac Jones has played this year. Developing yeah. is not exactly what they're and doing. Could with Tom Mac Brady Jones. play in a Matt Patricia offense? Well, that's well, they'll get a new coordinator. He'll be gone. They, they'll have to get a coordinator. Twenty-four years they'll in the league. To. Look, okay, all right, Tom Brady. First of all, you got to decide: does he play? Or does he retire? What do you think? Um, I honestly, I think he retires. 
But then why wouldn't he have just done it six weeks ago and kind of save his marriage? <laughs> like, why don't you uh, just do it? But but I'll tell you, I don't I don't have any conviction behind that point okay. of view. Like I like I think he'd I think he's going to retire because I think that I I still I think the other question. All right, I think. Do you think he's going to retire? or Do you think he plays? Like now, I think he's going to play. Okay, like, because you don't have that the family burden on you anymore where your wife's kind of hounding you to retire. You don't have that anymore. How many suitors do you think he has? How many teams want Tom Brady? Every team a, that needs a quarterback. Is it, so it's a decent list? It's a decent sized list of teams okay, that like, want him? Like, you've got Tannehill in Tennessee. You tell me Tom Brady on Tennessee doesn't help get them over the hump? He could. He could help get them over the hump. Brady in San Francisco could. Oh, it's always been. San Francisco's always been an option. Brady with the Colts could. Brady with... Let me just go right through the, the list Jets. of all the teams that need a, need a quarterback. Yeah. I mean, I... I I lean towards him retirement because at times this year he's looked really old. Yes, you know, like really old, like like missing throws, missing reads, not seeing linebackers throwing the ball right to him. I mean, that game they won the other night was a borderline miracle more than anything else. And I know Tom Brady routinely comes up with miracles, but they that offense was getting shamed for the better part of that entire game, right? And so for me, Tom Brady has looked has looked, frankly, like a guy most of the year who needs to hang it up. He puts up decent numbers from time to time. And, yeah, his receivers there haven't been the great, the, the best. He's getting old. And I just, does he really want to go try somewhere else? Maybe he does. Maybe at this point, if his marriage is over, he's like, what the hell else am yeah. I going to do? I might as well give it a shot. I just, I bet he retires. But I have no conviction on that. 45 years old. Laughed and talked about how he's on borrowed time anyway. Loves still loves to complete competes as his plans for the future day to day game to game at this point, but he's focused on you know week in and week out. I mean, seven time Super Bowl champion. It's just listen. He loves to play. He loves to play. I know, but remember, he loves the game. He's got three hundred and forty million dollars waiting for him. As an analyst, Fox, as an analyst, the second that's not going to go anywhere. No, it's not. He can get that anytime. But if he's I don't know. I really have no read on what he's going to do. Like, the one that makes the most sense is probably San Francisco. He's playing in San Francisco this weekend for only the second time in his career. He's a total Northern California kid. He's talked many times about going to Candlestick Park, watching Joe Montana as a kid, watching Steve Young as a kid, sitting up in the nosebleeds with his parents, how cool it would, you know, he didn't specifically say how cool it would be to go play for San Francisco, but you can tell he just, it, it means a lot to him. What does San Francisco do? Are they bringing back Trey Lance with everything they gave up? If to I can get, get Tom Brady, I'm getting Tom Brady for one That's year. That's kind of what I would Trey think Lance, too. I'm sorry, but you're gonna have to wait another year. That's kind of what I would think too. I got Tom. If I can get Tom Brady with that defense and that running game and the weapons that they have, I, you know, I'll let Jimmy Garoppolo go somewhere else as a free agent, and I'll tell Trey Lance that you know, sorry, but you're, you're gonna have to wait. You're you're gonna have to wait an extra year because I got a chance to have Tom Brady for one year. I'm gonna try to win it all with him. So if I'm San Francisco, I'm all in on Tom Brady. And I bet that's where he ends up if he doesn't retire. If he okay, feels like he's got some Super Bowl favorites if they get him. The Super Bowl favorites? Mm-hmm. The favorites over the Bills? Yeah. Over the Chiefs? I don't think they'd be the Super Bowl favorites if they got him. I, I think, think they'd I, be third or fourth on the list. I think they would. Okay. The betting, one of the favorites. Yeah, one, one, one of the favorites. The favorites. Okay, I don't think they would be the favorite. I think they'd be one of the favorites if they got him. All right, him. semantics, right? It's, it's, they are, you get Tom Brady with that defense and the weapons they have on offense, you're one of the favorites to win the Super Bowl. Yep. I'm from San Francisco. I'm making that call. I'm making that call every day of the week that ends in Y. I'm trying to get him.
When we come back on the Burns and Gambo show, the Arizona Diamondbacks, names rumored to be at third base for the Diamondbacks include one that you as a Diamondback fan, you might not like very much. That's coming up next on the Burns and Gambo show. Burns and Gambo, afternoons on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Oh, no, you, what? You cannot play this on the moment I'm going to talk ASU anymore. What? Well, we were going to talk ASU at the end. Not I know, but beginning. it's still like a come on ride the train. Like too much Herm Edwards residue for you. Too much Herm Edwards. Yeah, PTSD yeah. for him. I'll, I'll pull it out. Okay. I'm sorry. Oh, that's, yeah. that's, I wasn't even thinking about that. I'm like, Man, oh, we're all off that train. That train derailed. What is that train derailed? It didn't derail. Yeah, yeah. it's. It, uh, I train was. I think I can. I think I can. No, you can't. No, no. That that train. Yeah. That train was like that train in that Denzel Washington movie about the out of control. Remember that Denzel. Denzel Washington, Chris Pine oh, movie. It was a great movie. It was a really good movie. Unstoppable, I think. Is that what it was called? Yeah, that, that, that was a great movie. He was a conductor, right? Oh, yes. There were plenty of things stopping that train. Yeah, there, well, nothing could stop that train. Everything could stop the ASU train. They couldn't get where they wanted to go. All right, fine. We won't play. Four best movies with, with, built around trains. What do you got? Uh, Unstoppable. Polar Express. Ooh, okay. Would you put Snowpiercer in there? Snowpiercer would be in there. That was a really good movie. Gamba would not like that, but that was a really good Planes, movie. Planes, Trains, and Automobiles? That's a very good one. Yes. Okay, there you go. There's your four. Is there another train movie? Murder on the Orient Express? Oh, that's a great one. That's a great one. Um, that's number one right there. Train movies. Well, I mean, like, Throw Mama from the Train? Um, Murder on the Orient Express. That's a good one. Yeah. I'm proud of you. That's a good one. Oh, right thank there. you. I appreciate that. Uh, yeah, best movies about trains. No train music. We'll have some ASU news for you here in a minute. Let's start with the Arizona Diamondbacks, okay. though, which is why you threw me off about the yeah. music. I'm like, we're not talking ASU. We're talking Diamondbacks, but we are going to talk ASU. Um, Justin Turner in the Arizona Diamondbacks. Yes. That's a name that uh, John Heyman brought up today. Uh, said there are like a half dozen teams that are interested in Justin Turner. He certainly fits the criteria in that he's a right handed hitter and the Diamondbacks don't have enough of those and they're just almost exclusively looking for right handed hitters this offseason. I would be curious to see how Diamondback fans would react if a member from the Dodgers Mafia finds its way on a Diamondbacks roster. Maybe they wouldn't care. Maybe they would. I yeah. don't know. Listen, I spoke with the D-backs today. There's definitely interest in Justin Turner, Evan Longoria, part-time third baseman, right-handed hitters. They're looking at right-handed hitters uh, desperately trying to get a right-handed hitter um, because that lineup is so predominantly left-handed. So so those guys are they're quick fixes, okay? They're 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 plugged the hole right now. They're not long term fixtures at their age. Longoria's injury history. Those guys could come in. They could be a part time third baseman, maybe DH a little bit, add a little bit more balance to the lineup as a right handed bat. So there is interest in those guys. Now what they would like to do is to get those guys on a one year deal. So if it has to be more than one year, it's probably unlikely that they do it. Uh, they prefer to do a one year deal with those guys and not a two year deal. I know. Longoria Gore, you would like a two-year deal from somebody. So it really may come down to that. Is there anybody else out there that wants to give you more than one year? Because if so, the Diamondbacks may pass because they prefer a one-year deal. Yeah, Longoria has long been rumored with the Arizona Diamondbacks. In fact, he, he's got a home here, and I think he's made it pretty well known that he he wants to play somewhere close
close to home and and would would choose to play with the Diamondbacks if he could. Now, you know, how many starts would he get at third base? How many would he get at DH? How many to kind of keep him healthy over the course of the year? Because, you know, he's an older player. So is Justin Turner. They're inevitably going to get some injuries. They're going to keep him out a couple of weeks here or there. It sounds like with Longoria, at least in the past, there have been comments made about how he would like to play here because this is now home for him. I don't know if Turner feels the same way. And I don't think Diamondback fans would like totally object to Justin Turner. I think it would just be weird. It would be it'd be one of those he is so like you picture Justin Turner. I have a hard time picturing him in anybody's uniform, right? Other than the Dodgers. Hmm. He was just such a fixture for that team for all of those years. That's had him let him go. I, I wouldn't I wouldn't object to him in a Diamondbacks uniform. I just think it would look really strange to have him in a Diamondbacks uniform. It'd be uniform. a short term fix. Of course. Of course. Almost like Gonzo in a Dodgers uniform. That was weird too. That was weird. I can barely remember that. Yeah. It happened. Oh, I, I, I know. But like picturing it in my mind, I guess I, now that I think about it, I can see it. I can remember him. And it looked weird back then, too. So, But that's what they're going to do. It's, it's all going to be right-handed. Um, the Brandon Nimmo sign came down last night after we got off the air. Seven years, $162 million. Yeah, so the teams that were interested in him could now talk to the Diamondbacks about one of their outfielders. Potentially. Potentially. The Diamondbacks are not afraid to just sit on their four outfielders and roll back with them and, and hope that they continue to play well and drive their price up even more right now. If Alec Thomas has an even better year uh, this season as an everyday center fielder, that could drive the price up next year. So you don't have to trade these guys now. You have so much control over them, so there's not a need to actually trade. You don't have to trade one at this point. Um, if they were able to get an all-star caliber third baseman back and some other pieces, then they would do it. If not, then they're not going to make a trade. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see what offers are out there. I I have a feeling now that teams that thought they could have a chance at Nimmo might circle back and call could. the Diamondbacks. But but as you've said many times, the asking price from the Diamondbacks is going to be awfully, awfully high. And I don't know if any team's going to want to meet that, you know, especially if they don't get the outfielder they want, right? Like if it's if it's they wanted Dalton Varsho, but it's Alec Thomas, maybe the team isn't willing to meet that price. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see if they end up doing it. But it's interesting to hear you say that they don't feel like they have to do it if they don't want to. Uh, speaking of news, and we we teased the ASU news with the train sound uh, a second ago, or the train song a second ago. Uh, you had some breaking news last night about ASU and Emory Jones. I wouldn't call it a surprise, I think, given what's going on with the transfer portal and quarterback for ASU. But Emory Jones is entering the transfer portal and looks like he is ready to leave. Yeah, I think they were okay with him staying and they weren't trying to kick him out the door by any means, but he wants to play. It's going to be his final year. He wants to play, and there's going to be great competition you know, at quarterback with, with Jacob Conifer coming in, uh, You know, the transfer from BYU committed to ASU, and you've got Trenton Bourget, and they're going to bring in other quarterbacks. And Listen, there's a lot of offensive players that are very excited about the ASU program under Kenny Dillingham because it's going to be a wide-open offense. They're going to move the ball. So it's going to be a great offense to play in if you're a wide receiver, a tight end, a running back. That's why I think that Deuce Robinson kid from Pinnacle could really benefit if he came to ASU. He's a, a senior tight end, the number one recruit in Arizona. Dillingham was recruiting him to Oregon. We've talked about him maybe being the player that Dillingham was talking about the other day when he said if one guy comes, it could change the culture here and it could lead to a group of players. So I think Deuce Robinson definitely could be that player. You know, the other one, it could be Jacoby Lane too because he's a dominant, dominant wide receiver, big 6'4", uh, at, at, at a Red Mountain High School in May 
Davis, uh, just a really great wide receiver that if he was here, he could really flourish in this offense and have fun and help turn around this ASU program and make him great again. So I think, you know, those are the guys that you could be looking at. Um, but I think for Emory, it's just simply, you know, it's just a numbers game. You know, you saw the writing on the wall last year when Trenton came in and played over him and he, you know, he probably could have battled for a starting spot this year had he wanted to. But I think he wants to go somewhere where he's like, he's a guy. I want to go somewhere where I'm the man and I get a chance to play. Here it's going to be competition. They're going to have three or four different quarterbacks and, you know, they're going to be good quarterbacks and made the best man play. And I, and he wasn't assured or guaranteed anything. Yeah. So that's why I'm, I'm here and he's going to go to the portal. It, it seemed as soon as we saw the BYU kid was coming here, I thought that's probably it for Emory Jones. And I, I wondered too if it, that was it for Trenton Borges. He was a big time recruit, the uh, Conover kid. Oh, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Big, yeah. And, and he's got years of eligibility left. And it, it just, it's one of them was going to go. And, and the word coming out yesterday was that Bourget had no intention of leaving whatsoever. He seems like exactly the kind of kid that Ken Dillingham is kind of catering the program to at this stage, the local guy, convincing the local guy to stay put. So Emory Jones probably felt like the odd man out. I don't blame him for wanting to play, and the transfer portal is there. Go play somewhere, and what's going to be your, you know, because yeah. again, I'm like, I get it. I, I understand kids who, Emory Jones, is, there's no next level for him. He's not going to the NFL. Maybe he goes and plays international football somewhere else. But there's likely no next level for him. If he's got one year of eligibility left, let play. him go play somewhere go where play. he can go play. You know, you can play one more year, go play one more year, because that's probably the last year you're going to get to be a college football player. Yeah, I listen, I, 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 wish totally the, I, I totally wish the kid well. I mean, I do. I wish the kid well. He came in here and he and, and he balled and he tried as hard as he could and he, and he was good for them for a little bit. They went with Trenton and the offense just ran better under Trenton. It did. It just ran Benton a better under Bourget. And then, and then with Jacob coming in, three-time champion at Chandler High School, local kid, played on under Iguano. I mean, it's starting to get a, you know, a good quarterback room, and I'm sure they're going to be recruiting others and bringing other guys in, but it could be a very dynamic offense for the kids that decide to come here and play. Is this Monday's game going to decide the future of one of these two head coaches? We will explain next on the Burns and Gambo Show.